one of the traditions here that I absolutely love is we uh, take communion every week. And you're going to hear a lot throughout this service about faith. And one of the things that I have faith in is communion and what communion represents. Uh, I read this acronym the other day that I thought was so good about how to overcome our fears with faith in life. And it took the word fear. And fear was face everything and rise. And that's pretty good. But I think there needs to be something added to face everything and rise. And that is because of Christ who has risen for us, we can face all of our fears. Amen. So I don't know what fears are in this room right now, but I know that there are some fears. I know that there are some anxieties. I know that there are some of you that are just stressed. So this is the time to just let Christ have that. Lay that worry, that burden, put it right at the foot of the cross. That's how we can take our fears and actually develop faith. That's what communion does. It reminds us of the blood. It reminds us of the flesh of Christ and what he has done for us. We have faith in a risen Savior. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we take communion, we do this as a community of believers who have surrendered to the risen Savior. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll be with us, that whatever fears and anxieties we have, we will bring those to the foot of the cross. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray.
We got a few thank yous here. Uh, first is uh, to Joe Dernal and the CSF Worship Band. Let's give them a huge hand. Doing great. Love. I want to thank Mike Richardson. See him over here. Mike preached last week on the gospel. Give it up for Mike. I love. Got up early and got a chance to check that out, and uh, it was awesome. And then uh, somebody else really special here is Greg Anderson. Now, Greg, today at 3 o'clock is getting ordained. He'll be on the east side. Yep. So it's 3 o'clock, and uh, it will be in the uh, chapel. But uh, I'm just so proud of everything that Greg has done all these years. He's been with the west side from the very beginning. And um, I can't tell you how many people will talk about when they first visit here about being greeted by Greg at the front door. And I always think it's neat that here's Greg at the front door greeting people coming in and then his prayer team meeting with people. Uh, they're in the bar on a regular basis, year after year. Uh, what a servant uh, in the Lord. And so I'll give it up again for Greg Anderson, everything he does. If you're visiting with us this morning, we are just thrilled that you're here. And uh, as Amy's already shared, if you just go to the information center, we're, we'll get you everything you need, let you know about all the exciting things that are going on. We're going to be getting deep into faith today. I hope you're ready for that. And uh, to get us ready, we're going to read Mark chapter 1, verse 15. This comes out of ESV version. If you'll stand, we're going to read this together. It's going to come up on the screen. And here we go. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you and we know how difficult it is with all the fears and the anxieties around us that truly have faith in you, but that's what we pray for. Lord, that we will surrender our lives to you day in and day out and realize that your way really isn't just the best way, it's the only way. And so, Lord, I pray with anyone that is struggling right now, Lord, give them faith. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. The biblical definition of faith is faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, it goes on to say that we cannot have, or excuse me, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if you take that Greek word, which I love, uh, the best word to describe faith is loyalty. Now, how important, how important is loyalty in your life? I mean, just think about how critical any relationship is when it comes to loyalty. To know that when you're going through a difficult time that somebody has your back, that's a big deal. Max Lucado said this, faith is not the belief that God will do what you want. It's the belief that God will do what is right. Now, I want you to let that one sink in uh, because that's a tough one. Uh, I had a great conversation in between uh, the services with someone saying they wish I hadn't read that because of what they're going through. And I guarantee some of you are going through that right now. You're begging God. You're begging God for a certain solution, and you're getting the sense that your solution may not be what the solution is going to be. God always is wanting us to grow. And then there's a book called Dangerous Prayers by Greg Rochelle, and I think he's right when he says that one of the most dangerous things that we can say every day is, thy will be done. Would you say that with me? Thy will be done. Sounds easy. Try that every day of your life. Lord, I just want to do what you want me to do. And then Elizabeth Elliot, the uh, wonderful missionary writer, says this. Don't dig up 
and doubt what you planted in faith. Some of you, I guarantee, and I've done the same thing, is we step out in faith, and God has a game plan, and he has a timeline, and all of a sudden the timeline isn't our timeline, and so we give up on it. And I think God may be encouraging. Maybe today some of you need to just hear these words is um, hang in there. This morning we're going to look at two stories and one amazing act of faith. The first story is in Mark chapter 6. So it's going to, we're going to have it up here on the screen. I just simply call this one going home. Here it is, uh, starting in verse 1. Jesus left there. He went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples when the Sabbath came. He began to teach in the synagogue, and many who had heard him were amazed. That's a great word to highlight, amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's the wisdom that has been given to him? And what are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Again, highlight that word, amazed. Now, in order to make this come alive a little bit, you need to understand that Jesus had already gone back home a year previously. Anybody remember how that encounter worked out? He was teaching at the synagogue. They grabbed him. They took him to the edge of town to kill him, and he got away. A year later, he comes back, and so this is starting to unfold again, and people now are following Jesus, and here's why. If you go back to Mark chapter 5, and a lot of times in a as you're doing Bible study, always go back to the previous chapter because that will help you pick up like, oh, this makes more sense. If you go back to the previous chapter, momentum is building. Merrick, you may remember a few weeks ago we talked about Jesus healed the guy with the possession of all those demons and they went in the swine. Uh, great story. Good, good bedtime story. So anyway, he throws the demons in the swine, goes back over the uh, Sea of Galilee and now the crowds begin to gather and then we're introduced to this guy named Jairus, who was a leader in the synagogue. He falls at the feet of Jesus, and he begs him for his daughter. And then as Jesus is making his way to help heal his daughter, there's a crowd around him, and there is a woman with a bleeding disorder. And if you remember, the crowd was so tight on him, she was reaching literally for his sandal. And the disciples uh, couldn't believe it when Jesus said, wait a minute, somebody touched me. like, Jesus, everybody is trying to touch you. He said, no, no, somebody needs my healing. And he changed her life. And then he went on and he healed the daughter of Jairus. Now, I share that with you because now there is a crowd consistently following Jesus. And Jesus decides it's time to go from there, Capernaum, to Nazareth. It's about 20 miles. But more than 20 miles, there's a great distance. And it's the distance that we've all experienced in our life when we go home. Here's what I mean. Um, it is hard, and some of you right now are living this right now. It's hard if you are a Christ follower and your family are not Christ followers. It's hard because they know you. Do you know what I'm saying? 
I'm the youngest of seven. When I go home, guess what? I'm Johnny. I will always be Johnny. Now, I'll tell you what, I like that. But there were years there, I remember thinking, I wonder what my family really thinks, me going into ministry, because they saw me in my non-ministry days. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Haven't we all been there? And being home is hard. Being in our hometown is hard. And when you surrender to Jesus Christ, it will get more difficult. Because guess what? All those buddies you ran around with, guess what? Things start to change. And it's hard. And when Jesus goes home, he knows it is going to be difficult. Now, uh, some of you can relate to this. How many of you are living in Bloomington now, but this is not your hometown? Raise your hand if Bloomington is not your home. So look around. There's a lot of folks here that are not Bloomingtonites. They're not true Hoosiers, okay? They still love it here. But here's what's interesting. When you don't grow up in an area, uh, when you do go back to your home area, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It just is. So a few years ago, well, it was a long time ago. It was more than a few years ago. This is 1988. It was my 10-year reunion and uh, high school. I don't know if you've been back for your high school reunion. Good times. And so I remember as I was approaching that, uh, a buddy of mine begged me to go. His name was Dennis or Denny Eck. I didn't want to go, but I went. And here's why I didn't want to go. (coughs) There were two things I already knew. I'm going to have to answer over and over again. Number one, so Robertson, dude, what are you doing now? I just couldn't wait to say I'm a minister to get that reaction. Okay, so I knew that was coming. And then it was, what are you doing this summer? And Marie and I were getting ready to go on our first missions trip uh, to the Dominican Republic. And uh, believe it or not, those at the reunion were not going on a missions trip that summer. I don't know if you know that, but it was, it was strange. And I, I got there at this reunion. It was awkward. Sat at this table. And I had not been in my hometown for nearly 10 years. Ministry will do that. So here I'm sitting at this table, and my buddy, Denny Eck, uh, we're getting ready to eat, uh, and I just wolfed down a big thing, potato salad or whatever, and he said, well, well, before we do that, I'd like to have a word of prayer and a blessing over the meal with the whole table. And I looked at him like, who just showed up? You are not the Denny Eck I remember. I kind of thought you might drop an F-bomb in the prayer, but I'm proud of you, you know. So anyway, he, he got done praying. I gave him this look like, wow. And he goes, John, I'd like to introduce you to my wife. And she helped me find Jesus. I said, Dennis, that is awesome. And he goes, frankly, I'm a little disappointed you didn't pray. And anyway, we, I'm like, thanks, Dennis, appreciate it, you know. And the rest of the evening was, I just had some of the strangest conversations. You know, what are you doing, Robertson? I'm a preacher. Really, you know, I got some funny looks. But on the way out, there were a couple of guys, and they said, you haven't been back in a long time, have you? Haven't been in the area. I said, no, it's been a while. And uh, I said, you know, I I really was dreading coming tonight, but I kind of feel okay about it. I said, you know, because I'm in the ministry. And they said, yeah, yeah, we saw that coming. I said, really? He said, yeah, your senior year, you were pretty obnoxious with your faith. I go, really? They go, yeah, check the yearbooks out. You, you had a way of letting everybody know, but we're so proud of you. We really are proud of you. And I, I think how hard it is. I know how hard it is to go home, to go back to old relationships, to talk to family members. And when we do, there's two choices that everybody has to make. The first is, do you truly have faith in Jesus? 
Are you still amazed by Jesus? That's a big deal. Are you still amazed by what Christ has done? Because when you go back, I love that chapter in Mark, and you look at the responses where this religious leader falls at Jesus' feet, and the woman with the bleeding disorder does everything she can to get to Jesus. Are you still amazed by Jesus? Do you still truly have faith in Jesus? Or the sad thing is, the second choice is those who actually reject Jesus. And it's scary when he went back to his hometown, especially the second time, you notice the people who heard his teaching, they were amazed. Who rejected Jesus? The religious leaders. Now, here's something I think is interesting. The religious leaders love to argue with Jesus. Do you know what they argued with Jesus about more than anything else? Anybody want to guess? The Sabbath. The Sabbath. The day of rest. So, a little history lesson here. So, between the Old and New Testament, the intertestamental period, something happened in Hebrew history that ought to give us a glimpse of legalism. Here's what happened. The Macedonian period, around 1000 BC, there was a time when the enemies uh, killed 1,000 Jews, actually slaughtered 1,000 Jews. And you know when they attacked them? On the Sabbath. Because they refused to fight on the Sabbath. They allowed their families to die because of the Sabbath. As a result of that, they doubled down on the laws. Now, you'd have thought they'd have gone simpler, like we're being too legalistic, but no, they increased it. Of the 630 laws beyond the Ten Commandments, 234 of those laws are about the Sabbath. Now, think about that. So Jesus rolls into town, and he does everything in his power to do what? Keep the Sabbath holy, but God is holy, not the day God. Don't be legalistic. It's more important to reach out to the people than it is to keep this law. Robert Ingersoll, who was a well-known atheist in the 1800s, said this, a believer in God is a songless bird in a cage. And that's how a lot of people live their lives, like a songless bird. But it's not because of God. It's because they doubt God. It's because they don't have faith in God. If you really want life, make the right choice. Right now, some of you may not have ever made that choice. You're still rejecting Jesus Christ. You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. But I want to end with a great story. It's the second story. And it's found in Luke 7, starting in verse 1. Jesus had finished saying all of this to the people who were listening. He entered Capernaum. And there a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus, and he sent some of the elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation. He's built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. And let me just pause there. This is what I love about Jesus. So here's this centurion, and basically centurion is a military term. That means he's over 100 men. He's a Roman officer. That'd be like a lieutenant in our military. So he knows what it is to be a man of authority, but he was a good man because it said he loved the Jewish people so much so he raised money so that they would have a synagogue. 
So they are going on his behalf, these religious leaders saying, the centurion, this really great guy, has a servant that is like his own child. Jesus, could you heal him? Would you go with us back to his home? And what does Jesus say? I'm just busy. We're getting close to the Sabbath, you know. No, he's like, yeah, let's go. Don't you love that about Jesus? I asked this first service, but what if Jesus was coming to your house for lunch today? How many of you would leave church in about two minutes? Raise your hand. You'd be like, man, the house is dirty. And you know, there's some things I want Jesus to see. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, mean, I, I get it, okay? But I love the fact that Jesus, right on the spot, is like, let's go. Let's, let's go. I'd like to meet this guy. And so there's a crowd and they're following. And I love the fact as you pick it up, uh, what Jesus does is uh, he was not far from the house, it says there in verse six, six. And when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. For I myself and a man under authority, and the soldiers are under me. And if I tell this one go, he goes. And if I tell that one to come, he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and they do it. Isn't that awesome? He sends his friends and says, hey, tell Jesus he doesn't need to come to my house. All he has to say is he's healed, and he is healed. All he needs is the voice of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the ultimate authority. I love that. Now, Jesus' response in verses 9 and 10 are classic. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel, than the men who had been sent returned to the house, and they found the servant. Well, what a great story. Jesus said, I'm telling you what, I am amazed at his faith. He doesn't even need me here. He said, my voice is enough. My voice is enough. Twice in scripture, Jesus was amazed. And we read both instances this morning. The first time he was amazed is he went to his hometown and he was amazed at the unbelief of the leaders in his hometown. They only looked at Jesus as this carpenter's son who wasn't worthy of being the Messiah. And so they refused to believe. And Jesus said, I'm amazed at their unbelief. And here he said, I'm amazed of the faith of a man who said all he needs is to hear my voice. Where are you this morning? What amazes you about God? I've asked you to, over the last few weeks, uh, to just share what are your core verses. We're in core 52, and I guarantee this will be somebody's core verse. It's Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let's read that one together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That is hard to do, isn't it? To trust God and not to always lean into what you think is right. You know, I don't know why we always lean into our understanding because if you're like me, our understanding is not that great. Marie reminds me of that. Do you know what I'm saying? Our understanding 
isn't always actually understanding. Our first response should always be, Lord, I want to pray. I want to see if there is actually peace with this tough decision. And then ask yourself, what in life are you really trusting? Because we trust a lot of things. Every day of our lives, we put trust in things that are going to die and rust. We put our trust in things that are going to break down. We put our trust in relationships that fall apart. We really need to put our faith and our trust in Christ. And we need to realize faith is a big, big deal. Martin Luther King said that faith is taking the first step. Even when you don't see the whole staircase, just take the first step. So I asked you a few weeks ago about that whole idea of what is amazing to you. And I got some great responses. I want to read a few of these of things that you find amazing. And I'm not going to read all the names, but uh, uh, here are some of them. A lot of you shared, this is on Facebook, that you were amazed with God's creation. Isn't that one of the ideas that God's faith can be experienced in his creation? Uh, I, I am amazed by rainbows, how each drop of water has to be just the right position for us to get the amazing colors. I'm amazed by the ocean. I'm amazed by sunsets and sunrises and the beauty of those. Uh, I'm amazed by God's mountains. This is, uh, Gina, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but uh, Brad and Gina, when they went out to Zion National Park, if you've never been there, do that. Uh, And just to be in a a place where you get on a mountain and you feel so small. Um, I love the ideas that God is bigger than all of the problems that we have in life. Ron Beggarly said this, I'm amazed that John can still be asleep and preach such a wonderful sermon. Thanks. Thanks, Ron. Uh, Ron needs more faith in the Lord. But anyway, um, and then this is an interesting one. I'm amazed how much better looking uh, John gets every Sunday, Marie. I thought that was nice. Um, I love these. I'm amazed that God still forgives me. I'm amazed uh, that God can love me even though I'm a screw up. I'm amazed by the cross and the plan of salvation. What are you amazed by this morning? I mean, are you really amazed and have faith in what Christ can do in your life? So last week, um, Marie and I had a a privilege to go out and uh, hang out with our, uh, our two daughters out in California and uh, all the grandkids, and we're up to three now, and just just a great time. <clears throat> uh, but I'll be honest, California is nice, but it's not Indiana. Just say that straight up. Uh, gas is six bucks. Thank you very much. So anyway, uh, got home, and uh, we kind of reflected over the week, and I realized there's something I do every time we travel, and I, I do this all the time, and this is one of the things I love about going to new places. So the first thing I do is I uh, find a mom-and-pop coffee shop, and so I'll look all around because that's where I'm going to walk the very next morning before everybody gets up. And uh, I just love the conversations and everything in mom and pop coffee shop. And then throughout the week, I'll go on what I call discovery walks. And I just pick a spot and I start walking and I start looking. And uh, what I really look for is happening churches. So sometimes I'll look up and I'll see something like, wow, that's pretty creative. And if there's people there, I just walk up and start talking. Hey, I'm from Indiana. Looks like things are happening here. And uh, I've had some of the best conversations. I've only been arrested once. So anyway, I, I uh, came to this uh, church out there in, in California, and uh, I could just tell it was happening. That There was this little bitty white church, 
And then they were having this huge expansion. I'm like, they went from here to here. I mean, I got to hear this. So I walked up, and there's a guy walking around. And uh, I said, hey, I got a feeling this church, it's, it's happening, isn't it? He goes, it is. It's going pretty well. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. It looks like you went from this little church, and you're growing like crazy, and you're putting all these module units in for all the kids. He goes, yeah, that's what we're doing. This is phase one. Dude, let me show you. It's California. Hey, dude, let's go see phase two. And he walks me inside. And I said, I can't imagine the security. And he goes, hey, I'm over security. It's the best. Pretty cocky there, California guy. So anyway, we're talking and, and just sharing about God and what God is doing. And uh, I said, hey, I'm at, a, at a, an amazing place in Indiana. And I said, I appreciate the work you're doing for the Lord. Uh, keep it up. I walked away. I'm sure he's like, Indiana people are so weird. But I tell you why I do that. I love to talk to people about their faith. Like in coffee shops, if somebody's studying the Bible, I just love to say, great book. What are you reading? What are you studying? Because I just love to hear people light up. Like, hey, I want to share my faith. It always encourages me. And I hope it encourages you. Because here's the deal. I hope people want to talk to you about your faith and your story and what Jesus Christ means in your life. That he is still amazing in your life. And if he's not amazing, what is it going to take for him to be amazing again? Because he is amazing, isn't he? Amen. He is amazing. He still changes everything, everything. One of the things that I want to do better is uh, I want you to know at the end of every message um, that I'm, I'm going to call this an invitation. But I just want you to know I will be right over here by the cross. And as the weeks unfold, we're going to have more people up here to pray with anybody who just needs to pray. And anybody here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we want you to know we always want to give you that opportunity to put your faith in Christ. You may be at a point right now, you've gone far enough without Jesus. You need Jesus. And I also want to pray for all of you right now that are just struggling with your faith. Because anybody that says every day I'm 100% in, they're lying. There are just days it's hard. It's hard. I want to pray for you too. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and we are amazed. We're amazed that all around us we know people in our family, in our hometowns that uh, refuse to believe. And that's amazing when they realize what they're missing. And Lord, I am so thankful that we can still be amazed every day by your grace and by your love and by your mercy. And Lord, if there's anybody that just needs encouragement right now, Lord, give them encouragement and give them faith. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.